Robinson. Welcome to Light On, Light Through, Episode 74, reviews of the first 10 episodes of Flash Forward, which will be resuming on ABC television tonight. That's Thursday, March 18th, 2010. And I thought as a way of helping anyone who's interested catch up with Flash Forward, I would put together this special episode of Light On, Light Through, which will be a compilation of my original 10 reviews of Flash Forward that I did last year, that is in the fall of 2009, over on my other podcast, Levinson News Clips. Not only that, these 10 reviews will also have the special ad and promo offers which are available to Levinson News Clip listeners, but anyone who listens to this podcast can use these codes as well. So listen at the end of each review for a special offer from Angie's List, LifeLock, eHarmony, and other sponsors that you can use and you may find of value. But here now, my original reviews of Flash Forward, starting with the first review back in September 2009. Hello, this is David G. Hartwell. I'm a senior editor at Tor and Forge Books in New York. I've been editing science fiction since 1970. I've edited a lot of people over the course of my career, but I'm pleased to also be the editor of Paul Levinson. I edited his first novel, The Silk Code, and I edited his most recent novel, The Plot Saves Socrates, and all the books in between. Author Paul Levinson. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of the premiere episode of Flash Forward, which was on ABC last night, Thursday night, and it will be rebroadcast tonight on ABC as well. And I thought it was splendid and well worth seeing again, and certainly for the first time. But before I give you my review, I should tell you, in the spirit of full disclosure, that the novel Flash Forward, upon which this ABC TV series is based, was written by my good friend Robert J. Sawyer. That said, I should add that I'm especially delighted that I enjoyed the premiere of this series so much, because I would have had no choice but to be honest with you if I did not, or I might not have reviewed the series at all. And I do promise to give you my candid views of every episode that I review. And I should mention that I'll be giving you parts of a special interview that I did with Rob Sawyer last week. Listen at the end of this podcast for word about this interview. One last preambling point I want to make is that the series story of Flash Forward is different in many ways from the novel, and at the same time it draws upon many of its powerful themes, but I won't spend any time here at all with comparisons, pro, con, or otherwise, of the series to the novel. Instead, just as I've been doing with True Blood, also based on a series of novels, I'll be reviewing the television series Flash Forward totally on its own terms. To begin with, everyone in the world, or as is revealed near the end of the show, everyone other than at least one person, blacks out for two minutes and 17 seconds. But it turns out it's not really a blackout, because almost everyone, again, minus one, and not the one indicated above, has a vision of the future six months into the future. And the first important point in the plot of Fast Forward, confirmed in a variety of effective, emotionally compelling ways, is that the vision is proven as in some sense real. It's not a mass hallucination. An FBI guy in Los Angeles recalls being in a meeting with his counterpart in New Scotland Yard six months from now, and she confirms it too, down to the detail of a bird flying into a window. But the most compelling confirmation comes from Mark Benford, well played by Joseph Fiennes, an FBI agent married to a doctor, Olivia. 
She's played by Sonia Walger, who is always a pleasure to see in any role on the screen, including the Sarah Connor Chronicles, Tell Me You Love Me, and, of course, as Penny in Lost. Mark's vision provides the foundation of the investigative part of this story. He sees himself in the future, looking at names on a board as part of a case he's working on, and this gets the case started in our present. I'll talk more about this in about a minute. Meanwhile, Olivia's vision sees her happy and in love with another man, a vision which upsets her, to say the least, since she's very happily married to Mark. And this, in fact, sets her and Mark on a path of making sure that the future she saw does not come into being, even if it might have benefits for other people. A part of Mark is hoping that the vision may somehow not be real. But this hope is dashed when his young daughter asks him, in a quietly wrenching last scene, to put on a friendship bracelet she made for him. Mark has seen this bracelet on his hand in the future. The issue of predetermination versus free will is always on the table when people see the future, either by traveling to it or somehow viewing it in science fiction. In fact, one of the reasons I think time travel is impossible, though as you know I do love to write and read and see it, is that I believe in free will. If you know the future and that has any meaning, any meaning at all, that must mean you have no free will. You cannot change what you saw or otherwise know about the future. An appealing intellectual game for people who like time travel is a future which hasn't happened yet, causing itself to happen by influencing the past. Flash Forward has this intriguing reversal of cause and effect in Mark's investigation of the present, ignited by what he saw in the future. That in itself makes Flash Forward exceptional television, in my view. Lost has some of this, too, and there are some similarities, for the good, I'd say, between the two series. In fact, I spotted a billboard for Oceanic Airlines in an early Flash Forward scene. A kangaroo running through Los Angeles, a mysterious hooded figure who did not black out. He's caught on a video taken at a stadium. I'm thinking he's the character played by Dominic Monaghan, by the way, but that's just a guess on my part. And of course, people who know what's going to happen, obviously that's just about everyone flash forward, all have echoes of lost. But Flash Forward has a multiplicity of powerful stories, all its own, including one character, Mark's partner, Dimitri, played by John Cho, who has no vision of the future at all. Does that mean he's bound to die? Well, the answer will no doubt not be even close to that simple, but the tableau of conflicting interests, ranging from wanting to ensure to wanting to prevent the glimpse future, makes for an irresistible story. The premiere of Flash Forward, as I mentioned, will be on ABC again tonight, Friday, September 25th. Well worth seeing if you missed or didn't TiVo or DVR it. And I'll be back here next week, and every week it's on, with a review of Flash Forward. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Oh, hey, I just wanted to welcome a brand new sponsor to Levinson News Clips, Angie's List. Now, once a month, you're going to hear a special commercial spot for Angie's List with a code that will give you 25% off on Angie's List where you can get all kinds of leads on everything ranging from doctors to weddings to home improvements. You can reach Angie's List at A-N-G-I-E-S-L-I-S-T dot com. And you can put in your promo code when you're filling out your membership form. L-E-V-I-N for 25% off. 
the Light on Light Through podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of the powerful second episode of Flash Forward that was on last night. It pulled all the right emotional strings and bodes well for the continuing success of this series. Boding, for well or otherwise, is of course what Flash Forward is all about. And the single most riveting story of foreboding last night was Dimitri's, Mark Benford's partner. Dimitri, as we learned last week, had no flash forward. And although that might well only mean that he was sleeping six months from now, as was pointed out by Janice, pregnant in her vision of the future, no relationship now, it could also mean that Dimitri doesn't survive. Dimitri would therefore like the visions, including lack of visions, to be meaningless hallucinations rather than true glimpses of the future. But he gets wrenching proof last night that they're not, when another agent in Utah tells Dimitri and Mark that she had no vision during the blackout either. She's shot to death minutes later. Mark is struggling not against death, but the death of his relationship with Olivia, who is with Lloyd Simcoe in her future vision. But his work, in particular the case Mark's investigating last night, is inexorably filling in the pieces of his vision, putting them literally up on his board. And last night, the same action that killed the Utah agent provided Mark with a photograph of a burned doll, which was right up there on his future wall. So why doesn't Mark just refuse to put the pieces of the puzzle up there? Why not just throw out the photograph rather than use it to flesh out a future Mark doesn't want to happen? Well, Mark can't bring himself to do that so far as an FBI agent. But he can try in his personal life, and in a powerful moment last night, he burns the friendship bracelet his daughter gave to him last week. It will no doubt turn up, or another bracelet that looks just like it before this season is over. Not everything in the visions is profound, Courtney Vance of Stanford, head of the FBI L.A. office where Mark, Dimitri, and Janice work, found himself on the can six months from now, which is where he was in our present when he had his vision. But the deaf kaleidoscope of philosophic puzzle and human touches, action and agonizing, humor and hints of conspiracy, means that the can is the last place Flash Forward is likely to land. And I'll be back here next week with another review of Flash Forward. So, in the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson still code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Why risk suffering the cost of identity theft when the cost to help protect it is so low? LifeLock is only $10 a month, and when you visit LifeLock.com and use the promo code LEV10, you'll also get 10% off your LifeLock membership plus a free trial. That's LifeLock.com. The Light on Light Through Podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of Flash Forward, Episode 1.3, in which the riveting paradoxes continue to be lit most clearly in the person of Agent Dimitri No. In Episode 1.3, he sees his possible futures ratcheted up one additional wrenching level. A foreign agent, played by Shora Agdashlu, Beruz's mother of 24, day four fame, in case her name sounds familiar, 
calls Dimitri and tells him she saw a report of his death in her flash-forward vision. But Dimitri's fiance, Zoe Andata, played by Gabriel Union, had a much happier vision of Dimitri on flash-forward day. She saw the two getting married. So, which vision is true? Now would be a good time to point out that when you're dealing with time travel, or even visions of the future, as in flash-forward, there is no way of telling which of competing visions is true, and therefore whether a given vision of the future that any character has is true. This is the case even when parts of someone's vision are confirmed. This is also the case even when someone's complete vision is confirmed, even when everyone's complete vision is confirmed. Why are such visions so unreliable? Well, look at it this way. Dimitri has a vision of the future. Call it Vision 1 in reality or Universe 1. But because of that vision, Dimitri changed his behavior. He acts differently, with the result that something is changed before the future in the original vision. At the instant that changes, Universe 1 changes, and so, therefore, does Vision 1. Dimitri is now living in Universe 2. If he has another vision of the future, that would be different from Vision 1. It would be Vision 2. And this can happen lots of times. The fun of Flash Forward and all time travel stories which try to change a future already seen or experienced is figuring out what actions of which characters are resulting in which futures. Sometimes the very attempt to avoid a future causes that future to happen. Sometimes acceptance of a welcome future is the thing that prevents it from happening. Time travel's tricky. See my The Enjoyable Trouble with Time Travel. That's a blog post. There'll be a link for it on levinsonnews.mevio.com. Or pick up a copy of my novel, The Plot to Save Socrates, for more. The other part of Flash Forward 1.3 was less paradoxical and more of Mark in deep research. The name and photograph of an old Nazi, Geyer, was up on Mark's future wall. In our present, Geyer contacts the FBI and says he has information about the blackout. Turns out his most useful information puts Mark on the trail of a blackout that happened in the early 1990s. Mark realizes that blackouts with possible flash-forwards in the past could provide information valuable to understanding his present predicament. For example, did those earlier flash-forwards come true? It was also good to hear the White Rose mentioned in this episode of Flash Forward. They were the group that tried, with just a photocopying machine in the 1940s, to spread the truth in Nazi Germany about the Nazi government. I write more about this in my book, New New Media. The White Rose did fail in the end, but they gave it a brave, noble try, and they showed what can be done with a new medium of the day against an overwhelming totalitarian regime. Will Marx succeed against the seemingly overwhelming odds arrayed against him? The problem and the fun of Flash Forward is that success is different even for the same person at different times. And so we don't even know what success is in this time-bending context. Paul Levinson still code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. eHarmony.com has a special offer for listeners of Levinson News Clips. You can subscribe to eHarmony for three months and get one month totally free. 
And the way you do this is you log on to eharmony.com, E-H-A-R-M-O-N-Y.com. And when you're filling out your membership application form, you will have a place to put in a special code for a discount. That code is E-H-L-E-V-I-N, all capital letters, E-H-L-E-V-I-N. So check this out. It's a great offer, a great opportunity, and who knows who you might meet on eHarmony. The Light on Light Through podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips, and I'm catching up with some reviews of Flash Forward. Today I'll be reviewing episode 1.4, which was on several weeks ago. It provided yet another proof that the visions of the future that we're seeing in Flash Forward are all true. I thought it was a tip-top episode. So far, as of that episode, all that we've had, with one exception, are confirmations. Agent Goff's meeting with his London counterpart, the death of the Utah agent who had no vision. The one big exception is Dimitri's fiancé's vision of their marriage. But in episode 1.4, we got two additional confirmations. One was when Lloyd Simcoe confirms that he was in Olivia's home, though he didn't see Olivia, only heard her voice. The other I really enjoyed. I sort of think of it as, well, shaft meets house. Here's how it happened on Flash Forward. A white guy's vision on a bus underwater sees himself cool, on top as never before, and African-American in the future. Like, quote, Shaft or Brian Gumbel, unquote, as he puts it. Furthermore, he's calm as can be when he wakes up almost underwater. He even heroically saves someone. So, how can a white guy change into a black guy in six months? Back in the present, he ends up in Olivia's hospital 14 days after the blackout, complaining of pain. It's more serious than that. Olivia says he needs an operation. But he's still incredibly calm. This gives Dr. Varley an idea. Much like House... Varley realizes that Addison's disease could account for both the white-to-black transformation and the smooth calmness of the patient. Addison's disease affects the adrenal gland, making it pump melanin instead of adrenaline. A nervous Caucasian can turn into a calm African-American. In one of the most significant interactions of the series... Olivia resists Varley's diagnosis. Of course she does. She doesn't want her future to be true, just as Varley hopes that his is. The patient almost dies, but Olivia accepts the patient's future and Varley's analysis just in time with a takeaway that moves her a big step towards thinking her own future may be inevitable. And so the only opposition to the flash-forward visions, the only outright conflict of visions, as I mentioned, comes from Dimitri and his fiance. Accordingly, he wants to move their marriage up to an earlier date, prior to the date of his murder reported to him by Beruz's mother last week. I'm talking about the Iranian agent who played Beruz's mother in a great season of 24 a few years ago. But how can Dimitri succeed in this? If he's able to change the date, that means Zoe's vision was wrong. So how could she see them getting married in six months if they were already married? And this, of course, pitches Dimitri and Zoe and us, right back into the paradox. Meanwhile, just to up the ante, Dominic Monaghan's character Simon puts in a brief appearance at the end of episode 1.4. 
and he seems far more sinister than Charlie Pace. Well, I'm not sinister. I'm just a good guy. And I'll be back here pretty soon, uh, well, within the next few hours, no more than a day or two, with my reviews of Flash Forward episodes 1.5 and 1.6, and soon after of 1.7. In the meantime, enjoy. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Avis, that's right, Avis Rent-A-Car, they do try harder, and they're offering 10% off or $30 off if you uh, rent a car that costs more than $100. And to get this special discount, just log on to Avis, A-V-I-S dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. And hey, beautiful outside, great time to hop in a car and drive out there somewhere to the sea, to the mountains, and have a great time. The Light on Light Through Podcast. Author Paul Levinson. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clip, still catching up with my reviews of Flash Forward. Today, I'll be reviewing Flash Forward 1.5, which came on strong after a talky middle and posted one of its best endings since the premiere, and that was good to see indeed. The crux of episode 1.5 on Flash Forward is the reliability of Mark's Flash Forward vision. Why does he recall only a part of the 2 minutes and 17 seconds when others seem to recall the full course of their Flash Forwards? The answer is that Mark, off booze for seven years, was drunk in his flash forward. So I think of this episode as drunk flash forwarding. Courtney Vance puts in his best performance so far in this episode as Mark's boss, Stan Wiedek. He at first is furious that he's risking his career on a drunk flash forward but he doesn't pull back the investigation and, in fact, just tells Mark to keep his mouth shut as Stan takes the project funding he has pressured the President of the United States to provide. He was played by Peter Coyote. I always like that name, Peter Coyote. There's a sharp 24-like flavor to this episode, likely from Brannon Braga, who has been heavily involved with 24 this past season and will be in the upcoming season. We see a president wheeling and dealing with dangerous political adversaries and a Chinese team of assassins, how's that for something out of 24, who almost take out Mark, Dimitri, Vreed, and Stan, and in a parallel attack, badly wound Janice. She looks as if she could be dying in the street, but given the truth of the flash-forward so far, I'd say someone is bound to come and save her. She has a provocative story, too. A lesbian lover, Numbers Amita, that's the character's name in Numbers, the actress is Navi Rawat, in Washington, D.C., So it looks as if not only Heroes, but Flash Forward is picking up on the L word this year, which does risk making this theme a little trite, especially when brought in and out of left field. But in Janice's case, it does have the benefit of making the pregnancy she saw in her Flash Forward even more interesting. Janice also discovers some strange towers in the area of the 1990s blackout. Lloyd Simcoe will likely know more about that. And I'll be back here soon. I don't know what I'll likely know more about, but I will be reviewing for you. Flash forward 1.6 and 1.7 as I'm catching up to this fine show on ABC television. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson spilled code 
about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Oh yeah, I have something I want to tell you about. You get $25 off when you purchase Nutrisystem's 28-day auto delivery program for the first time. You can call 866-223-5039. This is available only in the continental U.S. And other restrictions apply. The Light on Light Through Podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of Flash Forward 1.6. I'm still catching up with my reviews of Flash Forward. It was a softly compelling episode. Double slits across the universe. Or more precisely, an episode that started with Simon, played by Dominic Monaghan, talking about Young's double slit experiment. He's a real physicist, and his experiment showed that light is both a wave and a series of particles. Meanwhile, back to flash forward, the other side of the slit ended with Rufus Wainwright's wonderful rendition of one of my favorite Beatles songs, John Lennon's Across the Universe. The wave and particle duality is, in our reality, part of the paradox of quantum mechanics, because ordinarily in our world, things are either waves or particles, but not both. In Flash Forward, Simon's reference provides a nice way of summarizing the paradox of seeing the future and trying to make it not happen, as is the case for Mark and Olivia for starters. It also provided the occasion for a nice crack from a woman Simon was starting to seduce about double slits being about some kind of sex she had tried in college. So here's the L word showing up again, but enough double entendres in this review. Back to our main flash-forward story. Episode 1.6 indeed inexorably brings Simcoe much further into Olivia and Mark's lives. Simcoe's son, Dylan, wanders out of the hospital on Halloween and makes his way to the Benford house. He says he belongs there because that's what Charlie told him in his flash forward. Simcoe comes by to pick up his son. Mark doesn't like it. Mark and Olivia argue. And guess what? They're starting to fall apart on their way to the very future they're struggling so hard to avoid. Meanwhile, across the universe, which in this episode is across town, Janet will, of course, survive due to the fine doctoring of Olivia, who also performs a difficult operation that may, just may, safeguard Janice's reproductive capacities. And call me crazy... But I think Stan Wiedek is looking at her asleep in the hospital with some kind of strong, real feeling that makes me wonder if somehow he may turn out to be the father. And, just to top it all off, Simon and Lloyd Simcoe meet and tell us that they're responsible for the flash forward. Could they possibly have the power to undo the flash forward at this point? Well, not likely in this universe, but it's something to think upon as you sing to yourself that wonderful Beatles song, Cross the Universe. And I'll be back here, well, I'm not crossing any universe. It'll just be another day or two, and I'll have finally caught up. With my reviews of Flash Forward, I'll be reviewing the most recent episode of Flash Forward. That'll be 1.7. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Oh, yeah. Emusic.com. 
They have a great deal going, a 14-day free trial with 35 downloads of great music. And if you cancel, not that you will, but if you do decide to cancel, anytime before the 14 days are over, you get to keep all 35 tracks. And you have over 3,200,000 tracks to choose from. That's pretty cool. Leading columnists from the music industry will guide you to musical gems in all of your favorite genres. And these MP3s work on Zoom, iPod, any MP3 player. You can burn an unlimited number of CDs. You can download to an unlimited number of computers. No one to hassle you. Nothing uh, to get in your way. These are all in DRM-free format. Now, if you want to avail yourself of this offer, you just log on to emusic.com slash L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N. And you can just get right into this and enjoy this free 14-day offer. The Light on Light Through Podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips. The sweeping winds of November brought us an episode of Flash Forward last week, episode 1.7, that I think might be even better than the pilot. It started with a scene which, in part, was actually close to the end of the episode. That is, the end of the piece of the present which we see unfolding each week on Flash Forward. We also saw a significant part of the past and, of course, some Flash Forward time in the future, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. The opening to Flash Forward 1.7 brings us a woman with two children on a beautiful morning. She finds an invitation on her windshield which tells her she is not alone. We soon learn that she's being invited to join a group of people who have had no Flash Forward vision. It's a death club, the blue hand, consisting of people with no visions, who see themselves therefore as doomed, and who want to put a modicum of control back into their lives by determining the time of their deaths. At the same time, we hear a voice reading a letter which says you can indeed have control over your life. It is this voice and the letter that actually come from the end of the episode. The voice is Agent Goffs, and the incredible story in Flash Forward 1.7 was his. Because it turns out that his meeting in London with Fiona Banks, played by Alex Kingston of ER fame, was not the most significant part of Agent Goff's vision. It has seemed to us that it was because Goff and Banks were the first to mutually confirm their joint vision, apparently proving that future visions are views of the real future. But Goff saw and heard something else in addition in that vision. A conversation in which he is devastated to learn that he is responsible for someone's death. That would be Celia, the woman with the children, in the opening scene. And Goff struggles with this for the whole rest of the episode. He can't live with himself knowing that he did something to kill this woman. In the end, he comes up with a solution. He says he knows how to change the rules of the game. He jumps off a roof, apparently to his death. He's left a letter for Dimitri, who with Benford and Stan in a superb scene, try in vain to talk Goff down. The letter is the one we heard at the beginning. Goff wrote it the night before. And it is now Dimitri's voice we hear reading it. So, the future can be changed. There is hope for Dimitri. 
We earlier had been treated to a good scene with him and Zoe in which he tells her the truth and they confront their conflicting visions. Zoe's vision of their marriage, though, was not enough to give Dimitri real hope. But Goff's death is. So Dimitri now has hope. Benford does too. He hugs Olivia as never before since the flash forward, and indeed, he says the least on the roof. Not that he wants Goff to jump, but he finds the possibility that the future can be changed irresistible. But this still leaves open a crucial question. What is Banks now seeing in her recollection as the vision she and Goff originally shared? Will she continue to recall that vision, which is now wrong, realizing it is wrong? Or will she now recall seeing something different, a new flash forward with no goth? And as the episode shows us that the future can be changed, it also showed us that it seems to have some inevitability too. Aaron wants his vision to be true because it shows his daughter alive. He at first gets confirmation of that tonight from a soldier who gives Aaron his daughter's pocket knife. Aaron has seen himself giving that knife to his daughter alive in the future. But the soldier later tells him that his daughter died. It seems the future with her alive did not come to be either. But then, in a great last scene, Aaron's daughter is sitting there on his couch in our present, and she's very much alive. It looks like Flash Forward has a lot of explaining to do. Is the future immutable, or can the future be changed? And that's precisely why, with episodes like this, Flash Forward is such emotionally and intellectually commanding television. And I'll be back here, well, there's a new flash forward on tonight. It's Thursday night again. That will be episode 1.8. So listen for a review of that either later tonight or tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson, Silk Code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. You're going to love this. This is Budget, the car rental place. And if you log on to budget.com slash L-E-V-I-N, that's B-U-D-G-E-T dot com slash L-E-V-I-N, you can take advantage of a special offer which will give you 10% off on any reservation or 30% off on any weekly rental. The Light on Light Through podcast. Author Paul Levinson. Help me, Paul Levinson. You're my only hope. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of Flash Forward 1.8, which was on this past Thursday night. And this episode featured a philosophically high-stake card game, the backstory on Tracy Stark, Aaron's daughter, and the biggest attempt Mark Benford has made so far to change the future he and Olivia saw in their flash-forwards. Now, I'm not sure I get why Simcoe would allow himself to be bound by the results of a poker game with Simon. Lloyd Simcoe wants to go public with their causing the flash forward. Simon does not. But the game does provide some good occasion for some fancy ontological talk about hard determinism. Hey, when was the last time you heard that phrase, hard determinism, on television? Or for that matter, when was the last time you heard that word ontological in a TV review? Well, maybe every once in a while from my reviews, but Flash Forward certainly gets props for doing and eliciting that kind of language, which I always like hearing. Meanwhile, Tracy's story is interesting in and of itself. 
She was presumed dead in Afghanistan because her leg was blown completely off and her DNA was mixed into the remains that were examined later. Even without the flash-forward angle, I think this is one of the more original wartime stories I've seen on television. As for Mark Benford, he sets up one of the assassins he saw in the future to be killed right now. I don't quite see why this is so significant. Has the point been made that all you have to do to change the future is remove one detail or one part? Perhaps that's so, but wouldn't Mark be just as vulnerable from the other assassins? I suppose, operating on butterfly effect logic, that changing any one thing on the way to the future could change everything. But this has to be made more clear. Probably the most on-point event last night in the Benford struggle to prevent the future revolves around the sexy little night outfit Mark gives to Olivia as a present. She's quietly horrified because it's the same damn outfit she was wearing in her flash-forward with Simcoe, which she desperately wants to make sure does not happen. So Olivia throws it out, like Mark's friendship bracelet, and the guy he killed in episode 1.8. This nighty is but a grain of sand in the avalanche that Mark, Olivia, and the people who don't want the future are laboring on flash forward so mightily to prevent. But one thing that nobody can prevent are my continuing reviews of Flash Forward, so I'll be back here next week with my review of Flash Forward 1.9. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson still code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. You can reach Angie's List at A-N-G-I-E-S-L-I-S-T dot com. And you can put in your promo code when you're filling out your membership form. L-E-V-I-N for 25% off. The Light on Light Through Podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of Flash Forward 1.9, which was on last Thursday. And ain't it good to hear Dylan's Shelter from the Storm and see him sing it in a video. This was the theme song and the theme of last week's Flash Forward, which peeled back a little more of the paradox of the story to reveal more paradox and a mystery tramp, too. Here's how it all happens. Dr. Bryce goes to Japan to find Keiko, the Japanese roboticist and lover of Hendrix and Dylan. I mean, she loved their music, or loves their music. She is the woman that Bryce saw and found and knew he loved, and she him, in his flash forward. And this is very significant, a very important insight into flash forward business here. Bryce knows in his April 2010 flash forward that he's been searching for Keiko since he was about to commit suicide, and the blackouts flash-forwards hit in 2009. Now, unless I've missed something, this is the first time the April 2010 flash-forward shows us characters who are explicitly aware that they had the blackouts flash-forwards in 2009. And this, in turn, means that the explanation I put forth last week that the April 2010 flash-forwards took place in a reality, Reality 1, in which the people had not had blackouts flash-forwards six months earlier. But once the blackouts flash-forwards occurred in 2009, this slipped the world into another reality, let's call that Reality 2. This whole explanation is not quite right, at least not for Bryce. Now, I actually wrote this in a blog. I didn't do a podcast of it. But at levinsonnews.mevio.com, you'll find a link to that blog.
But back to episode 1.9. It's not right for Keiko either. That is because Keiko also remembered in what we saw in 2010 that she had seen Bryce in her blackout flash forward in 2009. So what happened to Keiko complements what happened to Bryce. The two, of course, therefore, cannot meet before April 2010, the flash forward date. So Bryce's trip to Japan to find Keiko in 2009 cannot succeed. But Keiko's trip to Los Angeles can and will succeed and result in their meeting in April 2010. It's a nice bit of misdirection. Bryce and we are led to believe that their meeting will take place in Japan, when in fact it will and always did take place in Los Angeles, the real shelter from the storm. By the way, this episode also had the best use of backstories, Bryce's and Keiko's, making it reminiscent of Lost, which I take as a very good thing. So, Los Angeles is the shelter, at least for Bryce and Keiko. But what about the other characters? They're not getting much satisfaction at all, and that includes Mark Benford, who wants to know who texted Olivia that he was drinking again in 2010. Aaron and Stan, the only people Benford told about his future fall from the wagon, both provide pretty convincing denials. So who sent the text? Could it somehow be Simcoe, who's realizing he's falling for Olivia and wants to do what he can to put Mark and Olivia on the skids? But how would he know about Mark's future? Maybe it was someone in the bar. Who knows whose ears were overhearing what Benford was saying? So it's all a mystery. But as one of the scientists who caused the flash-forwards, I'm thinking, well, hey, Simcoe may just know a little more about what the future holds than does everyone else, except Simon. A lot of storm out there. Shelter from the storm. Anyway, I hope you had a nice, peaceful Thanksgiving. I'll be back here next week with my review of Flash Forward 1.10. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Thrifty Rent-A-Car. First, you type lev.thrifty.com. Then, when asked for your code, you type lev one o. What do you get? More than 300 convenient locations throughout the U.S., and you get 10% off every rental. Just remember the code LEV10. The Light on Light Through podcast. I'm Paul Levinson. This is Levinson News Clips with a review of Flash Forward 1.10. It was on last Thursday. It is the final episode of the first part of the season of Flash Forward, which will resume in March 2010. So what did I think of it? Well, I thought Flash Forward 1.10 was as fine as the series premiere back in September, which is to say, packed full of action, surprise, paradox, emotion, and scientifically implausible, but maybe not impossible possibilities, or science fiction on television at its best. Let's go over some of the main points of this excellent story. One, Olivia and Lloyd talk about Harvard University and alternate universes. Lloyd was a student there. Olivia almost was, but got entwined with Mark instead. Lloyd met his wife in a building next door, which is where Olivia would have stayed had she gone to Harvard. The implication? Perhaps love conquers all, including alternate realities or universes. 
what Olivia and Lloyd may be just beginning to feel about each other here, now, in our universe, may be an expression of a transcendent love which prevailed a little earlier in the Olivia at Harvard world. Aren't I romantic? Now, the kidnapping of Lloyd in the last scene, which I did see coming, there was something about the manner of the ambulance guys, but it was a powerful scene nonetheless, leaves Olivia with Dylan, which is a big step closer to Lloyd, wherever his kidnappers may be taking him. Point number two. Mark and Dimitri defy Stan and fly off to Hong Kong to find the woman who told Dimitri about his death. Now, as I mentioned in earlier podcast reviews, I think of this woman as Beiruz's mother after Shora Agadashlu's memorable performance in 24 a few years ago. But just to be clear, her name in Flash Forward the character's name is Nadra Udaya, and she tells Mark and Dimitri something astonishing, unbelievable. Dimitri's assassin will be Mark, who will shoot Dimitri three times with Mark's gun. Nadra knows its serial number. Mark vows not to let this happen, and I believe him, but what significance do vows to prevent the future from happening have in this our flash forward universe. Mark says to Nadra, this isn't over. She replies, it never is. But the only evidence we have that the future can be changed is Goff's suicide. Not very reassuring. By the way, it was good to see Michael Ely of Sleeper Cell in the Hong Kong business and flash forward as a CIA agent. Just saying. I like Flash Forward, and I also like Sleeper Cell. In fact, I wish Sleeper Cell would come back with another season. But back to Flash Forward, point number three, about the recalcitrant future. Perhaps the biggest payoff in fatality in episode 1.10 was Zoe's realization that she was not at Dimitri's and her wedding in her flash forward as she first thought she was. She was at Dimitri's funeral. Now, lots of fans had been suggesting this as an explanation, but I'm still wondering why Zoe didn't feel herself being profoundly sad in her flash-forward. That's not an emotion she would likely be feeling at her wedding. But okay, at least this resolves the conflict between Zoe's vision and Dimitri's lack of vision. And with the testimony of Beruz's mother in Hong Kong, this is tightening the vise of future death around Dimitri ever more convincingly. Point number four. Still, there are grounds for hope. Dimitri is now in possession of Mark's gun after Stan removes Mark from service, which means that gun is at least one person removed now from firing at Dimitri. And Simon is revealing himself as maybe not the worst character in the world, and indeed someone who can actually help the good guys get to the bottom of this. For example, turns out Simon is the inventor of the strange device we saw in that 1991 photo of facilities in Africa. Except Simon says he didn't invent the device until 1992. Explanations wrapped in paradox. Or maybe just time travel, which of course always leads to paradox. Point number five. Simon also throws a little light on the mysterious D. Gibbons, one of the men wide awake during the blackout. And we see Gibbons near the end of this episode with Nadra, Beruz's mother, which to some degree throws everything she's told Mark and Dimitri into doubt. Maybe she's a bad guy. So from our point of view, maybe that's good too, because maybe she's not telling the truth about Dimitri. 
hey, if you don't like complicated, watch Heroes. Though, come to think of it, that's pretty complicated, too. All good and irresistible television is. And Flash Forward 1.10 was up there with the best. It was written, by the way, by David S. Goyer, co-creator of the series, and Scott M. Gimple. Can the show keep up this level of storytelling in 2010? Well, I'm betting it will even be better. Not because I had a flash forward, but because the compelling story told so far demands it. And you can rest assured that I'll be back here in March when the story of Flash Forward picks up with more podcast reviews. In the meantime, I'm Paul Levinson. Enjoy. Paul Levinson still code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Oh, hey, I wanted to tell you about a new Levinson News Clip sponsor, eBags. And you can reach them at ebags.com. Ebags is the world's largest online retailer of bags and accessories for all lifestyles. They carry a complete line of premium and popular brands, including Samsonite, Jansport, The North Face, and through Levinson News Clips, you can use one of three possible special discounts. You can get 25% off. To do that, you type in Levinson25 when you're filling out the form on eBags. That's all caps, L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N, 25. Offer number two is you get $25 off $75 orders or higher. And to use that code, you use Levinson75, just what it sounds like. And special discount offer three gives you 20% off your entire order on eBags. For that one, you just type in Levinson, L-E-V-I-N-S-O-N. So you can see more of this at eBags.com. And just remember those three codes, Levinson25, Levinson75, and Levinson and you'll be able to see what discounts you can get over on ebags.com. Athens, 2042 A.D. She ripped the paper in half then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Sierra had always done everything for the thrill. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Entertainment Weekly says the plot to save Socrates is challenging fun. The New York Daily News says it's a Da Vinci-esque thriller. And Curled Up with a Good Book says Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about the plot to save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed those reviews, and I'll be reviewing every new episode of Flash Forward starting this evening, March 18th, 2010, and this would be episode 1.11, and you can find those podcast reviews over on Levinson News Clips. You get there by going to Levinson News dot mevio m-e-v-i-o dot com you'll also find my blog 
post reviews, that is my written reviews of Flash Forward, also beginning this evening, over on InfiniteRegress.tv. And you may also find of interest my interview with Robert J. Sawyer that I conducted this past September 2009, right before Flash Forward debuted on ABC. You can find that interview at lightonlightthrough.com. That's L-I-G-H-T-O-N-L-I-G-H-T-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com. And speaking of Rob Sawyer, and speaking to Rob Sawyer, I'll be interviewing Rob Sawyer at the Icon Science Fiction Convention at the end of March. In fact, it'll be the last Sunday in March, March 28th, at 2 p.m. at Icon, which will take place on the Stony Brook campus of SUNY, the State University of New York, that's out on Long Island. It's about an hour from New York City. So Rob and I would love to see you there again Sunday, March 28th, 2010. 